0: Hello everybody, Danny Grant here with another episode of the Studio Podcast, where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists. On this episode is the very talented and hard-working artist Sarah Sedwick from Eugene, Oregon. I am really impressed and inspired by the career that Sarah has built, and I think you will be too if you're not already. I had a really fun conversation with her, and I am happy that you are here to give it a listen. So, enjoy. I'm really excited to have the artist Sarah Sedwick on the phone with me today. Hey, Sarah, how are you?
1: Hey, Danny. I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. So, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. So, just What's happening in your world today? How are things?
1: Well, it's a beautiful August morning here in Eugene, Oregon, where I live. I'm looking out at a heartbreakingly blue Oregon sky. Nice. And uh, you know, I'm I'm huddling inside my house. <laughs> it's kind of funny with all this uh, quarantine COVID stuff going on. Being mostly an indoor painter myself to begin with i'm like oh you mean i get to hole up in my house and not go out anywhere
2: right
1: i'm yeah i i call myself terminally indoorsy and that suits me really well being a still life painter yeah so what's going on with me today i'm having a lovely wednesday and happy to be talking to you and cool
0: awesome so is this kind of a Um, What do you have planned for the rest of the day? What's a a typical day when you're at home look like for you?
1: Yeah. Well, so when I'm at home, um, in normal times, I would be doing a fair amount of traveling to teach workshops. And so Mm -hmm. my days kind of divide out into teaching days and non-teaching days. And as a lot of the artists that are listening to this probably already know, when you're self-employed, you don't really have weekends. It's kind of like every day is the same. Some days are off days, but we work at least a little bit most yeah. days because the line between work and play for artists is blurry, if not, if not non-existent.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: my days divide out pretty evenly between teaching days and non-teaching days. And today is kind of a hybrid. Today is kind of like a teaching slash life stuff slash, you know, get stuff done kind of day. But a teaching day for me would either be in a workshop, in person or online. Or spending a whole day working with my online mentees. Okay. A non-teaching day looks like wake up early, do a couple hours of computer work.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's it like returning run.
0: emails and that kind of thing. Or...
1: Yeah, it's returning emails and it's it's critiquing my students and it's dealing with the logistics of being self-employed and you know mm-hmm. applying for shows and ordering frames and all the things that we do online. But sure. yeah, the the email the email thing is a big. Big problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, so get up early, work for a couple hours, maybe go for a run, and then studio for the rest of the day. I'm not really one of those stay up all night and paint kind of artists. I don't function super well after the sun goes down, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's usually like family time, friend time, okay, Netflix time, cooking time. Now I'm cooking again, since I haven't been out to any restaurants. It's been fun,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah. And workshop days, teaching, workshop days are just crazy. You know, that's get up really early, do the aforementioned computer work, <laughs> go teach and maybe be at the studio for 10, 12 hours, have mm-hmm. a great time, come home and go to like, just struggle to stay awake until 9 p.m. so I can go to bed at a decent hour. Right.
2: It's, I love yeah.
0: it.
1: I love it all.
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, that variety, I think, is something that most of us, most of us love. Um.
1: So I do want to say, though, that, like, I don't get to paint every day. I did kind of come into this art journey through the door of daily painting. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, But I am not a daily painter now and really haven't been for pretty many years. Mm -hmm. I did it hardcore for the first, like, three years or so. And it was a great experience. But I don't get to paint every day now. Mm -hmm. But that's not... But I don't have excuses. Like, I know that I could be painting every day now if I really just moved it a couple of notches up the priority list. I don't know if you've yeah. ever done, a like, the Strata Easel Challenge on Facebook, where it's a 30-day challenge to do a painting or a drawing from life every day for mm-hmm. a month. I haven't done it. But even if you do, like, a seven-day challenge on yeah. your own, where you just commit to doing one small painting every day for some days, it's like amazing what you can shuffle off the agenda just to make Mm -hmm. that like two to three hours of studio time every single day it gets available to me and i know it but yeah you know like for example today i gotta run out and pick up some frames i gotta pack because i'm going on a little mini kind of getaway for painting next week no flying don't worry (laughs) but uh yeah you know i just some days you just got stuff to take care of but even though I know I have all these things on my to-do list, if I made painting my number one priority today, I absolutely could do it. And I would feel better if I did.
0: Well, that's interesting because, yeah, I know that, that um, I, I'm the same way. I mean, things things happen and you've got a million other things to do. And sometimes it just doesn't, you just don't get in the studio to paint. And I think that's probably the the case for, for most people, especially the ones who are painting and teaching which I think is the vast, vast majority of of artists today. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, um, I think we all feel better if we do even get a couple hours of just sitting and painting. That's, it's so important. I think mentally it is for me. anyway. Even if,
1: sure. And even if I don't actually put the brush on the canvas, going in the studio and Mm -hmm. either organizing it. it, It's sort of like reorganizing my thoughts in a way, because as a still life painter, maybe you can relate to this, like figuring out what to paint. It's not just like, oh, well, I'm a a portrait painter, so I know I'm just going to get another commission. I'm going to paint another portrait. I love painting portraits too. Don't get me wrong. But as a still life painter, the world is kind of your oyster. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my art time involves setting up different still lifes, mm-hmm. dreaming up different kind of texture combinations and object combinations, thinking about a meaningful, maybe a meaningful narrative, although most of my work is not narrative illustration. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that aspect of it takes a long time. So sometimes I'll just go in the studio and be playing with my toys, as I call it, <laughs> Re- sure. just rearranging my still life stuff, putting different color combinations of, of papers together or fabrics and just looking at stuff and so if you came in my studio right now it would would, well a it's a mess it's legitimately a mess but even Mm -hmm. on a clean day it would probably look like a mess because there would be little piles of junk sitting around marinating Mm -hmm. together yeah and periodically i'll walk by the door and look in and be like hey how are you guys getting along in there you know (laughs) walk in move a couple things around and sooner or later something clicks and then maybe with all that pre-work you end up with like three things to paint and then you can just paint you know so
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's a it's a process the whole painting thing for me has is a process that can be broken up into chunks and stages and find that of really helpful i only have part of a day for studio so i can set i can set up still life i can do value studies i can mix paint and then i can put that paint in the freezer come back tomorrow and actually paint the thing so knowing yeah how to segment the process and helpful
0: yeah that's true i mean it- the actual painting is a is a i won't say a small part but it it's it's one component of the whole process and and i like i like where you're talking about um looking you know i feel like so much of this so much of what we do is is looking and sometimes you're just you know looking at objects together, thinking about color combinations, or what I'll do a lot is even if I'm not going to be able to work on a painting, um, because I tend to work on longer term, not that they're big or anything, they just take me a while to do. So, um, you know, if I don't have time to sort of sit down and, and really dive into that painting that I've got going on the easel, it's nice to just come into the studio and you know, turn on the lights, light the light the still life setup, light my painting, and sit down at the easel and just look. And just um, look at the setup, look at my painting. And that, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of a... Um, so you're just kind of taking mental notes about the things that you want to tackle the next time you do get... Um, a chance to sit down and and really dive into the painting. But I love that part of it. Mm -hmm. Just the the quiet sort of looking at everything.
1: And thinking critically about your next moves. like Mm -hmm. you said, I tend to do that on my phone a lot. Mm. So I'll take a picture before I leave the studio and then I can, I'm away from it. I'm in a place where I can't touch the painting. Okay. But I can, yeah think critical thoughts about where i want to go next and often i'll say to myself okay if i was going to spend another 20 40 60 minutes on this painting what are four or five things i might do Mm -hmm. and i usually frame it in terms of 20 minutes and then i usually end up spending an hour on it again yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i like you know that that piece about being with the still life too as you're in your studio that's that's and looking that's really big one of the stages of the painting process that i think gets overlooked a lot is just that initial like okay you know i set up my still life i maybe i planned my composition with a value study looked through the viewfinder you know mixed my paint
2: mm-hmm.
1: even perhaps or some of it or at least got my palette out and set up yeah and then it's like okay look at what you're about to paint is the model is it a, doesn't matter what it is look at the still life take a deep breath just try to imagine it as a painting. Mm-hmm. There's a quote. I think it's in the Art Spirit by Robert Henry, where he tells students to try to imagine the model of the painting and your painting as the model.
2: Hmm.
1: A little bit weird, but I think that's what he's getting at. You know, just that looking at the thing you're going to paint and imagining it as a painting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's some It's a, it's a. Um There's something that I get, I don't know how to describe it, but just something sort of very, very peaceful about that time of just sitting and contemplating and thinking about how Ooh, I really want to capture that. How am I going to do that? Or, you know, just kind of you're it, it's like a mental walkthrough of the painting. That's that's a uh, I never really thought about it that much, but I think it's become a pretty important part of, of my process.
1: Mm-hmm. And have you found that it's made you spend longer in art museums, like when you're at a really amazing show and then you get sucked into a painting and you can stand in front of it for 20 minutes or something?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, I definitely think, you know, if, whatever level you're at, if you know, when you start when you start painting, you start really obviously appreciating looking at at great works of art more but um but yeah definitely i think that you know cuz you find yourself you find yourself looking at paintings and doing that that same kind of thing i think like ooh <laughs>
2: um you know yeah. when you're
0: when you're looking at that painting i, I guess it's not necessarily well it, it sort of is like mm how would i do that you know um and and, and not just how would i do that but also like ooh i love that you know, I love that they did that. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, but that's, 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 that's what makes, that's the thing I think that makes looking at, looking at great works so enjoyable is just that. Um, appreci- sure, appreciating the smaller aspects of it, you know?
1: Yeah. And the more we paint, the more there is to appreciate, the more mm-hmm. we can see in the master's work and the better, and then the more intimidating it becomes for me. <laughs> and I, I I miss going to museums. It's been probably more than a year since I had my last really great museum experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, it, it's different, like on different days. Sometimes I'll be out there looking at composition. And I don't even do this consciously necessarily, but that's the thing that comes to the forefront of yeah. my awareness when I'm in the museum. Sometimes it's brushwork. Sometimes it's color. And it's just like, yeah, different kinds of experiences. hmm
0: yeah, that's or uh, the um, yeah. I'm dying to get to uh, get back into a museum. Um, yeah. What are some of the What are some of the uh, the good museums that are close to you up there?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I haven't really found any. I'm the Pacific Northwest yeah. is wonderful. I've been out here 13 years, and <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah. The weather's great. It rarely snows. When it does, everybody freaks out um, in a happy way. It's kind of cute. Right. I grew up in the Midwest, though. In the Midwest, and then I went to college on the East Coast. So I have seen world-class art museums. Cleveland, where I grew up, has a great art museum. Mm. And the museum I was at last summer that I just mentioned was St. Louis.
0: Oh, They're cool. teaching
1: a the workshop. They have a fabulous museum, and it's free for the public. Year-round. Oh, that's great. Chicago. My sister lives yeah. in Chicago. The last night I visited her, I saw a sergeant show
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was like by accident that was up while I was there and it was my birthday I was like
2: <laughs> oh, man. you know
1: what I should the go buy a lottery ticket the universe yeah. <laughs> the stars <laughs> are aligned for me so yeah and then of course um I went to MICA Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore and so Washington DC was just a very short cheap train ride away oh, yeah. so the yeah. National Gallery for that I mean for me you can't really beat the National Gallery
0: that's great yeah yeah, we have a little bit of a uh, a dearth of great art museums in the <laughs> Austin area too. although actually the city of Austin not not super great. the, um, the University of Texas Museum, the Blanton Museum is, is okay. Um, Fort Worth, which is a, you know three four hour drive, really good museums. Dallas okay. Um, Houston pretty good so they're around but you gotta drive if you're in central central Texas
1: yeah you must have a good gallery scene in Austin Mm, um really? (laughs) I've never been I've barely been to Texas at all yeah it's
0: it's an interesting scene I don't there doesn't seem to be a lot of collectorship in Austin at least for like you know, the kind of thing that we do. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of growth in this city as far as, you know, big high rise apartment buildings and condos Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, older neighborhoods uh, where the, you know, houses from the forties being torn down and, and big, big old boxy modern places being put up so i think the art that's probably that's being bought are, are the sort of larger scale modern type of paintings and there's mm. there doesn't seem to be a big an interest in the kind of you know smaller more intimate paintings uh like we would make so um yeah that i hadn't i haven't gotten any well i won't say that um I mean, I, I did have a show here about a year ago, but the the main kind of galleries where people, you know, that have a big collectorship um, have not shown any interest in, in what I do in Austin. Mm. So it's a weird place. I think, you know, if you go to Houston again, you go to Houston, San Antonio, they're better, the better places mm. for it. But Austin, not. It's a weird, it's a weird art place. There's a ton of art going on, um, but it's sort of, I, I think it's more of maybe what you might call a um, outsider art town. You know what All I mean? Right.
1: Well, that actually sounds a lot like Eugene, Oregon, where I live. Yeah. A lot yeah. like it. There's almost no high-end, fine, almost non-existent fine art gallery scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, from my recent experience, the, Brick and mortar gallery industry is not taking the hit that i that one might have expected them to be taking from covid nineteen. oh really? it uh, not so I've uh, put work in I'm, this summer, I'm putting work in two brand new galleries that are opening, one in Oregon and one in um, Indianapolis. Awesome. Good um, for you? yeah, thank you. And um by by invitation, I I'm, I'm not juries, but uh, oh great. am I. Great. The brick and mortar gallery that I'm in in Michigan is doing about as well, at least with my work, as they usually do in a normal summer season. Wow. Um, and what else? What else? Uh, you know, um, yeah, and there's a, a gallery, like a framing gallery in Northern California, that also invited me to send them some pieces, and they were just they were just opening too, so. There's a lot of people with optimism around that, and what I was told by the by one of the women opening a brand new gallery was, "Well, it's it's kind of this industry is kind of made for social distancing. As long as we're not serving wine and cheese Mm -hmm. at the opening, nobody's touching anything, and it's real easy to keep a mask on and stay six feet away from everybody else." So sure, um, sure, yeah, Yeah. surprised me. Well, hey, most of my work got to leave home.
0: That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. About. yeah, I've talked recently on this, uh, on, on some recent episodes on here about uh, my gallery in Napa, California, who, who went mm-hmm. through a big ordeal in, in kind of reopening. Um, but that's kind of been my thing is like, you know, they, they, they sort of um, open their doors kind of before there was, you know, the correct, uh, permission to open their doors. So it was a big deal. Um, mm. but yeah, it's like galleries are perfect for, for opening and, and being there, you know? Yeah. Like you said, as long as you're not having a big opening where you're serving wine and, and cheese and, and, you know, if you got 60 people crushed into a, a, a small place or something or 150 people or whatever, um, yeah, a normal gallery day is, you know, pretty slow. Where you've got <laughs> a few, yeah, right. pe- a few people <laughs> spread out in in um, in a building. So shouldn't shouldn't be an issue. Um, but that's really that's that's. I mean, it's it's really um, optimistic, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's a
1: nice to see. I will say, though, that I'm not too into the idea of doing any solo shows if they mm-hmm. can't, if the gallery can't have openings.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, Todd, who's uh, who's a uh, friend of both of ours, uh, Todd Casey, mm-hmm. he had the unfortunate yeah. experience of having a big opening scheduled and then having to have it uh, canceled and go all online because of pandemic. Oh, right? oh.
1: Heartbreaking. Well, his work looks really good online, at least, so there's that.
2: <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> um,
1: I, I would love to see one of his pieces in person. I'm sure it would be a different experience, but it looks damn good online. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
2: I, yeah, I, I sure. was
1: supposed to have a solo show myself in May, just here locally, and uh, but still, it was going to be a lot of work, a mm-hmm. lot of paintings, and mm-hmm. I was almost ready for it, and then this stuff started to go down, and I said, like, <laughs> you're not... You're not going to be open. I mean, we can't do it. But they were really nice, and they rescheduled me for next spring. So, fingers crossed.
0: Nice. So, do you feel, how do you feel about, um, like, a, you know, one man or one woman shows in general? Um, just just the amount of work that goes into it, and then how, you know, have they been pretty successful for you in general?
1: You know, it's partly a factor of where I live, Mm -hmm. And the art collector market here, like you mentioned, but I tend to not make the bulk of my painting sales in person anywhere, no matter what kind of show it is. Okay. Um, every few years I either want to participate in a, a, like a a semi solo show, right? So you've Mm -hmm. either got like one whole wall in the gallery or maybe it's a three person show. So you still get to put in 25 pieces or something. Mm -hmm. My work's really small. I can, I can jam a lot of pieces onto a 20 foot wall, you know? Sure. But, uh, but, yeah, so I want to participate in something like that every few years, not just for my CV. Frankly, nobody ever looks at my CV.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. there on the web.
2: Yeah, it's you can, so funny. It may not be
1: updated, but you can find it. Right. Yeah, and when was the last time you ever asked for any, like, college transcripts or even proof of your actual identity? It's kind of funny. Yeah.
0: Although, do those uh, do I those get get a, galleries get ask for it? The The new galleries that contacted you, do they want all that?
1: Yeah, do they want a CV and a bio? They do, but they're yeah. not terribly concerned about it. They just stuff it okay. in a folder somewhere. Yeah, right. you got your website, and that's all they want. Yeah. So, what was I? Where? How did I get off on this? Sorry. This <laughs> the question again. um <laughs> talking, oh, it was about solo shows, the big shows. Yeah. So, but I will say this. Yeah. It, every I want to do something big like that at least every couple or three years mm-hmm. just because it's so good for me and important to get a bunch of my work together yeah. dress it up you know put it put it in like the little black dress floater frame put it on a wall somewhere and stand back and look at it yeah. because sure I can cover the whole living room wall of my apartment with paintings and sit on the couch and look at them which I do often do that All right but there's nothing like really getting it out of your house out of your space hopefully hung and arranged and curated by someone else with a good eye. That's Mm -hmm. always helpful when I don't have to do it, bungle it. But yeah, just getting it all together and looking at it, it shows you where you are. And for me, it shows me where I'm going. So I, yeah, I need to do that.
2: Yeah. I I
1: do
0: think that there's something important about that for the artist, that sort of mm -hmm. end point of, you know, from, conceiving a piece spending all the hours working on it varnishing you know all the steps i I do think there is something psychologically important about that last step of sort of seeing it on a gallery wall and like you said seeing Mm -hmm. seeing this body of work together that's always pretty neat i think Mm -hmm. and um you know, I got, I got to have a show here about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something, but it wasn't, and some of the stuff was new, but some of it was, was old. It was just kind of like, Hey, let's, you know, they wanted to do a show with me. So it was like, all right, let's put it all out there and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it was, it was nice for me too, because I don't know if you go through this, but I, my wife slams me for this all the time, but I, you know, I have the thing, and maybe probably a lot of us do, where it's like, oh, I never have enough time to paint. I just, I need to get more painting done. I need, I need to paint more. I want more, you know, more, more, more. And then you, mm. you, you do something, you put it all out there, and it's like, wow, all right, I've done a pretty fair amount of work here. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Sure, it, it does tend to pile up, and we—I sort of squirrel my dry paintings away, and then I have to go like look at my Etsy shop to see what I even have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, and and you know, once in a while with galleries, you do get to have that unicorn moment where you're there and the buyer is there, mm. and you actually get to meet the buyer in person and talk <laughs> to them, and then I feel that that is like. It brings tears to my eyes sometimes when I think about, how, like, it can be years, right, from painting the damn thing to yeah. the varnishing framing, getting it in the gallery show. And then you finally meet that collector, and it's like, oh, my God, I have just witnessed the entire life cycle of this, this organism, this painting. From birth yeah. to complete. You know, you, you take it off the showroom floor, say good night, that's the end of it. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's so rare for me because, honestly, I sell most of my work directly to buyers online.
0: hmm Sure. Yeah. So I, don't, I was going to
1: say earlier that Go ahead. the uh, brick and mortar gallery thing is really not like, it's not the way that I make most of my money and it's not even the way that I make most of my money doing painting sales. For mm-hmm. me, having gallery shows, participating in galleries, isn't as much about money. Like I want to break even, of course, I'd love to make a profit, but really it's about <laughs> street cred, or not exactly that, but it's like, yeah. that's it's kind of old school. It's like I having it. shows and being in galleries as an artist. That's just what we do. <laughs> but yeah, nowadays, I, yeah. what, what we do is also social media and direct sales. and that mm-hmm. kind
0: of thing. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I totally get that. I think it's um, it, it also is sort of like it's that thing that you imagined when you when you started this whole journey for, for me anyway, I don't want to put words yeah, in because your when mouth. When you and but, I
1: started this journey, galleries were it. Right. We, You and I started this journey before the internet. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> um, yeah. Like you said, it's, there's, yeah, we're not, I don't know who's making a ton of money. People, some people are, <laughs> they're out there. Uh, but, yeah, but I think yeah, I agree for the most part. I mean, my money's not coming from from gallery sales. Um, no. But how? So, you are know, you, you when you say online? Are you talking about like directly from your website or Etsy or where? What are your avenues?
1: Yeah, both. So I have a Faso website that I really really like, and it's integrated yeah. with PayPal, and it's really easy to buy from it. I don't have a lot of available work on my website a few things that are there are for sale, but you know, like the website, that's the best stuff from the last few years. Right. Yeah. So much of that stuff tends to be already sold and it's just there to be a business card on the internet. Right. My Etsy shop, of course, everything is available and some of it's a little older and it's a lot of smaller work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I'm selling just through direct contact with followers on Instagram and Facebook. People oh nice. Will just message you and say, I want to buy that and I'll say great. Venmo? Awesome. <laughs> or PayPal, you know, whatever. Yeah. So
0: that's, oh, that's so cool.
1: Do you that's have a lot of it, but not yeah. for big work. That's really just for smaller, you know, eight by 8 ten by ten demos.
0: So how big how big do you work? What are what what scale like if you've got a bigger piece that goes into a that you send off to a gallery or something?
1: I generally don't work larger than 24 inches on a side right now. Okay. And when I started doing daily painting, of course, I was doing six by sixes and mm-hmm. five by sevens because those back then were kind of the, the standard daily painting sizes. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I can't remember. I must have been selling those paintings for 25 bucks on eBay. Who knows? They yeah. weren't very good. So, But I was happy to move them along. Sure. Just make more of them. That's sure. what I did when I started doing daily painting. I just threw everything at the wall to see what stuck. I didn't think about composition. I didn't even really care if the painting came out good or not. I just was like, on to the next, on to the yeah. next. And that was great then. I work differently now. Mm-hmm. So after a, a few years of doing the daily painting, when I started to feel pretty claustrophobic in a six by six, so I started eight by eight, 10 by yeah. 10. Um, I like to joke that by the time I'm in my 70s, I'll be painting murals. Sure. Probably, maybe not a joke, but I seem to be, I think, up my my comfort zone a little bit every year. So,
2: interesting. um,
1: The thing is, though, like if I'm going to do a 24 inch painting, I'm probably going to do a smaller study in color before I do that. Mm -hmm. And that tends to also come out being a finished, saleable piece on its own. Yeah. So, yeah. And Um, even when I work large, Still a la prima, or at least the a la prima mindset. So, if I'm going to start on a large painting, I'm not going to start something else before I finish it. I really only work on one painting at a time
2: because
1: mm-hmm. I have this terminal fear that if I leave something and go and paint something else, then I will <laughs> never come back to the first one because I'm oh, on already yeah. yeah, Yeah, I know. It's kind of, I don't even know if that's an irrational fear. It's, I've seen it happen to me. So, <laughs>
0: makes sense. so if I'm working on yeah. a big canvas, What? Well, it makes sense because, you know, in a sense, we we tend to fall in love with the thing that we're working on or 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 we just get so there's you know, you get an obsession about it. So that totally makes sense.
1: Sure. And then the next thing catches your eye while you're working on that one. And before you know it, that first thing is dead to you.
0: Yeah, I've I've um, it's interesting. I'll get into I'm I'm sort of in this place right now. I've been working on a painting for a while and it's down to sort of some some very small detail things that that still take a lot of time but I've but I've already sort of um, I, I know what the next painting is going to be and so it's it's hard sometimes to um, to stay focused on the the last mm-hmm. you know details of a painting when you're thinking about that next one mm-hmm. but I'm the same yeah, way I that I don't imagine. necessarily I can't I have to I do have to kind of go one at a time
1: and that last stage, that last half mile that you're talking about is Mm -hmm. the most stressful time of painting for me by far. Yeah. So it's like tedious and stressful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And do you get into, um, it is, and it's, of course there's, there's the satisfying aspect of it too. When you, when you start to see some things finally resolve, um, but, you know, I'll find myself getting into parts, two where I'm like, well, I start to get a little bit too, Um, I don't know what the right word is, but I'll I'll go back into a section that just sh- was fine, should have been left alone. Oh, yeah. And I'll try to, uh, right. <laughs> oh, I can do uh-huh. this. I can, I can make it, it even better.
2: yes.
1: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, but at the same time, Danny, you could have had two paintings. (laughs) Right. You just repainted. like That's what happens to me when I work back into a dry painting to fix that one little spot, exact same thing. And then I do get mad because I'm like, I could have had two paintings. I could have left the first one alone if I was going to repaint the whole thing anyway. I should have started (laughs) on a new canvas.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) If I'm going to work back into a dry painting at this point, an older painting, I'm probably going to give it a complete overhaul, like
0: really radically change it, not just tweak it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh boy, when I start doing that, my wife wants to completely strangle me. <laughs> Is your
1: <laughs> wife an artist too? No. Is your wife a painter?
0: <laughs> no, she's not a painter, but she's um, she's very artistic. She does a lot of repurposing furniture, and and um, she's our she's our resident uh, interior designer. She's actually going to go mm. starting a um, master's program for interior design this year. Um, so she's very oh. artistic. I let her handle, she handles all decorating and, um, you know, curtain and wall color decisions.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, it, it, that's interesting. Uh, creative people do tend to gravitate toward each other, but sometimes opposites attract.
0: Well, we're opposites in almost every way, although there's, yeah, there's... Um, there's there's an artistic component to uh to both of us but yeah outside of that um
1: she can probably understand the flow state you know that that
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: we need as painters it's like our meditative time that kind of losing of yourself that happens when you're buried in the studio for hours on end Mm -hmm. she probably gets that with what she's making too
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. She'll, mm-hmm. uh, although I think the difference is that she tends to, she can, she'll have that for about a, a day, but she likes to kind of jump from project to project. Um, so, whereas, whereas I, I'm hyper-focused on one thing, you know, for um, mm-hmm. what can be months at a time. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you, it's, it's, I get this question a lot, like, how long do you spend on a painting? And oh, what's funny is this the, the, the um, I realized the other day that the setup that I've been working from for a while now in this painting has, um, has spider webs, has cobwebs growing on oh, it. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow.
1: So, <laughs> well, in a way, way, I think that's, that can be the byproduct of atelier training because like, yeah. I was talking to Todd about this last week, how like they make you sit down and do these 60-hour drawings. And at first you think, how am I ever going to be able to sustain this? And then you flex that muscle more and more and you, you get used to it.
0: You totally I do. I do not have Italian training. Yeah. And, you
1: know, my work, so I don't spend very long on my paintings. And I'm glad you brought this up because this has come up a few times for me lately. Uh, students ask me about it mostly. There is this common question from collectors and non-artists where people are, mm-hmm. are like, how long did that take you? They look at the price
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they look at the painting and then they say, how long did this take you? Right. <laughs> and I always get defensive. Yeah, I get defensive, and I shouldn't. I think it's just most of the time it's just curiosity. They they just want to know. Sure, and yeah. Sometimes they're making that calculation of like, mm. how much is this artist paying herself by the hour? Uh, yeah. So, of course, my flippant answer is, <laughs> well, thirty years. Yeah. Thirty years. No, you're right. <laughs>
0: you're one hundred percent right. I mean that that is the right answer, and. Um, mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's absolutely the right answer because that's that is how long it's taken. Um, in my when I when I think about my answer is when I think about calculating the hours versus the price is that I'm I have paid whoever takes this whoever buys this painting I've actually paid them like. <laughs> I'm I'm zero. Like I'm ne- I'm making negative money on this. If we were to calculate, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um,
1: yes, in a way, it's the trade, the paying for school, and then uh, yeah, and even just the cost of materials and and frames. Oh yeah, oh my gosh. So that's a depressing way to think about it. though <laughs> <laughs> And I don't think the buyer, I don't think the buyer would like that at all. I mean, I could say 30 years to the right kind of person and they'll laugh it off. But I think, yeah. I think that,
0: you don't think, think that answer you. would go well. Yeah. I, I haven't <laughs> said that to a buyer. That's just what goes through my head. Um,
1: <laughs> although, I, say, I, say, I want to say that yeah, go ahead. my, sometimes you never know. It's like, just because you're going to do a small painting today, if I say, okay, well, I just a couple of to be able to do an eight by eight, that eight by eight painting might not take me 10 hours and being a death march. And sometimes a, a 12 by 12, like a slightly larger painting, I can whip out in three hours. And it's one of the best paintings I've done all year. There's like no rhyme or reason. It has a little bit, I think to do with which version of me shows up in the studio that day, how, how much I've been painting lately, how warmed up I am, but sometimes it's just luck. And yeah. my work, usually does not improve the longer I get to spend on it. Mm. There's this like sweet spot where there's still freshness, looseness, not what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. But then if I, this is one reason why working from photos is not healthy for me because when I work from a photo, then I tend to feel like I have infinite time right? and those extra few hours don't make my work better.
0: Ooh, that's a good point. Um, Yeah. I,
1: it may make your work better. I'm not saying it doesn't, but from the style I'm going for, that, oh, so, that looseness.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I get that. Well, and also there would be. I, I can imagine that there would be a. Um, maybe a desire to try to. Well, just thinking about the the, the pitfalls of working from a photo. So so maybe there's a desire, there could be a desire there to sort of like, oh, you want to go get that little detail thing that you're seeing in the photograph or something like that.
1: Because mm-hmm, you can put it right up against your nose.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> ugh, working. Yeah. I'm, I'm with, you know, I don't, I, I, um, I never work from photos. Um, not in my, now I've done a little bit of it recently teaching online. Um, yeah. It just, it makes that whole thing, uh, you know, when you're dealing with dealing with students on Zoom, um, it's hard to be all working from the same thing from life. So I I have um, sure. sort of made that compromise in in doing that. Yeah. But in my own work, um, no, I just the photo thing is is uh, not enjoyable at all. And um, you know what's funny is that I I did a demo. You know, I was teaching a, a still life class online. Um, and I, I just, what I did is I, I took a photograph, tried to get the best photograph I could of a still life setup, And I sent that to all the students and, um, mm-hmm. so that we could all be working from the same thing and be talking about the same things, you know, and there mm-hmm. wasn't the pressure on the students to go try to set something up in their own studio. Cause you know, you get into all kinds of things they have trouble setting it up or they don't have the space to set it up. And so it just seemed easier. Right. Um,
1: well, there's no reason that you couldn't be working from life and then I'll be working from the photo. Right?
0: Yeah. I th- and, and that's the way I'm going to, I'm going to repeat that class and that that's the way I'm going to do it. I'm also going to just try to make the still life the most, you know, comprised of really common objects that anyone can grab and set up in their own space. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the option of working from the the photo reference that I send them, or setting that up if they can in, in their own studio. But yeah, you're right. This time I'm going to be I'm gonna be doing my demo from from life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, man. You d- you do you, you spend all these years working from life and then working off of a photo. You know, I think I do a pretty good job of. Of recognizing sort of photo artifacts and things that you wouldn't see in real life, um, but when I I still when I look at that painting now, it's like it has a it has a deadness that my other work doesn't have, and it's like I didn't realize it at the time, but now when I look at it, I'm
2: like Ew. yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Your point about. Knowing how to work better from photos now after a lot of practice from life is one of the main ways that I sell people on trying to do a little bit of studying working from life.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. They can take it back to their photos and they can make more naturalistic results happen when they have that experience.
2: Mm -hmm. I have to
1: say, my thing, I, I think a lot of, I don't know. So my thing against working from photos isn't because I'm an elitist or a purist.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: I don't I think that there are lots of artists out there working right now who are making great work from photos. Sure, but for me, my work sucks from photos. <laughs> so that's why I'm anti. Um, <laughs> and and I also like you said, I just don't enjoy it as much. But the reason that I'm pushing my students to at least try working from life, especially if they have not done much of it, is just to show them that it's a different experience,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to give them something to com- compare the experience of working from photos to. Just you know, That's what we got to do when we're out here learning to paint, which I consider that I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Trying lots of different things and keeping what works and discarding the rest. Yeah. I think that applies to teachers too, you know, all of us painting teachers and most of us that are gallery represented painters are doing some kind of teaching mm-hmm. right now, even even on Zoom, but before this, it's like oh, where's that go Um all of us that are out here teaching painting are pretty much I mean representational. Mm-hmm. are pretty much saying the same six or eight things, right? We're just saying it in our own unique ways. And sure. we all need to find the teachers who are saying it in the way that resonates with us.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I advocate also... That's an interesting topic. Because um, I, I think you're right. Um, but there are... I think that's one of the negative aspects of, like, a big... Kind of a big art school, even even if it's a you know a pretty well done private art school, Um, and I think you might disagree with this, um, but I think the one of the benefits of an atelier over like a big private art school is the fact that the um, the philosophy is 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 so clear and sort of all the instructors there. Or kind of have bought into that to that philosophy um it's you know it's an aesthetic it's a it's a particular way of working it's it's how they handle color all of those things everyone's sort of on the same page and then but if you go to a kind of bigger private art school which which i did and and, and you did right um, um you get it can be positive, but I think it can also be uh, sort of a negative where you get just a vast array of different working methods and ways of dealing with color mm-hmm. and, and all this kind of thing. And it's hard to it's it's difficult to synthesize all of that information into a a, a method that works for you because, you know, for a number of different reasons. But um
1: That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way before, but I do agree. I do. I don't have atelier training, uh, so I can't speak to that, but definitely what I saw in my traditional art school, which I loved, by the way, and I Mm -hmm. would not trade that experience, was that there were just a lot of different philosophies and aesthetics coming at you from lots of different directions. What I did see happening with the dedicated painting students mm-hmm. is that a student would latch on to a particular instructor right, and just sort yeah. of become their acolyte throughout mm-hmm. their four years. Mm-hmm. So I think there was that desire to get the message from a clear source. Yeah, I like that. I was sort of ensconced within the illustration department when mm-hmm. I was at MICA. I tried to get out and take painting classes as much as I could, and that's when I did experience that kind of jumble of different voices. And frankly, I left art school with some bad ideas that I picked up in some of those painting classes and some really good technical stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I still answer questions today, everything from why those paint colors and not those to, you know, why do you lay out your palette this way? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. someone told me to do it that way in Painting 101 in
2: 1997,
0: and I never stopped. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. It's because it's, and I'm the same way. I mean, well, so I I was in an illustration uh, program also at the Academy of Art in um, San Francisco, um, and so yeah, that's interesting because it, in that department there was sort, there definitely was an aesthetic like a a thing and, and a, a sort of a very dominant, um, uh, you know, all the instructors had their own style and they were certainly doing their own thing, but there was also an Academy of art aesthetic or, uh, hmm. a, a way of drawing and, and things like that. Um, but, but, you know, when I, when I went to an atelier, uh, you know grand central or or water street um it's just on it is just totally different um and also because i chose i chose that i chose that because of jacob collins and i was like i want to paint like that guy you know and so absolutely right. um so you're right yeah and i guess that yeah you're right i mean that happens anyway right if you do have all these all these crazy this vast array of influences you're right. The people do tend to just sort of latch on to to one instructor anyway, I think. And I, I did that, too, at the academy um, towards the end. So, yeah, it's just um, it just mm-hmm. I think it's difficult for students to have all those voices in their head or, um, you know, when you go out to do your work, it's like you want a clear method and when you just have all these separate classes and separate instructors with all the, the way that they've been doing things for the last 30 years or whatever that can, that can be difficult to to um
1: yeah to put it that all together to into your
0: own your own system you know
1: and we do kind of all need to develop our own systems and then <laughs> then people start asking us to share those systems with them and it's sort of like Okay, well, I I can distill my system into three or four simple steps, but, you know, this is just the way that I do it and the way it's evolved. It doesn't necessarily come from a textbook or from any kind of Mm -hmm. grand tradition. It's just sort of cobbled together from bits and pieces. And the, um, you know, the amateur or the advanced amateur artist or, you know, even me, I want to take workshops. You know, Mm -hmm. I still do. I can't wait to get back to doing that. And I try to do at least one a year.
2: Nice.
1: Uh, Take one. Yeah, But uh, we are so lucky now to have access to to everyone. Not only do we get to see the work, which we wouldn't have gotten to see before unless we were able to go to the gallery and be in the same city as that artist. Now we can see all work by living artists, but most of these people teach and you can go and pick the brain of your art heroes. It's pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> it is amazing. I never
1: even heard of painting workshops when I was in art school. Or,
0: I didn't you know, either. Yeah. That's...
1: Entirely. in right, it's you a good can point have your education all-
0: yeah, it's incredible how how open things have become and i think the I think this um virus thing is is has even uh enhanced that even more a lot of people who weren't i feel like who weren't teaching online now um are doing it out of necessity because their schools have basically closed um so so it's even it's gonna gr- it's grown that even more um but I wanted I wanted to talk about the the point you were just making, where people are asking you now and us now about our processes and how you know you're saying, well, this isn't you know out of a textbook or anything. It's just kind of the thing I've developed over time. Um, and I think that we can. What I what I picked up a little bit there was maybe a little self consciousness, and 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 that's definitely how I feel about it is like you're like well i i don't you know i don't know this is just the thing that i do you know I, <laughs> but i f- i think that we 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 need to own that more and and feel more and i'm this is coming from me now just to take more confidence in that and it's like look you know we we've, we've got the um we we have the track record of making successful paintings, you know, we can, we can step into that and completely own that. Like, yeah, this is the way I do things. And this, you know, this is, this is a legitimate, uh, this is a legitimate method, a legitimate process that, that can be, you know, taught and passed on to other people. Sure. Yeah.
1: I like that. And the work speaks for itself like we were saying earlier, nobody's asking for your CV to hire you to go teach a workshop. Nobody's asking for your transcript. So it's like the work is your calling card. The work is your credentials. And that's really all that needs to happen. And so that's really motivating to me because it's like, nobody would care what I had to say about anything if it wasn't for these paintings that they can see, which like you said, it's a track record of successful work. So yeah, it's like, it's like that, old saying those who can do and those who can't teach yeah i don't buy into that at all because for me personally i would not be able to teach if i wasn't doing because nobody would want me to tell them anything you Yeah, know that,
2: yeah so. right <laughs> yeah
0: that's an incredible point i mean um i think yeah those of us who, who teach are certainly um sensitive to that um to that saying but but you're right i mean mm-hmm. no one would be seeking us out as teachers if if we couldn't do and that's i think there's a real um you know there's a certain uh kind of integrity about that there's a certain you know you can't hide um you can't hide in art right mm-hmm. You we produce something visually, you know, you can't go and (laughs) we can't go and, um, you know, plagiarize an essay or something. Um, you, you make something and it's, it's either it's there and, and it can, it can be objectively judged, you know, on certain criteria. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, um, no one's coming to you to learn from you if you can't do so i i think that 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 little thing which can be used as a as a um as an attack i think on people who teach uh, doesn't apply and in, in this case we because we can
1: use it to attack ourselves sure as well yeah because teaching does take away from studio time right but you know for me teaching it doesn't only pay the bills. It's actually a purely selfish pursuit with money completely set off the table. Like one of the main reasons that I want to teach is because it makes me a better painter. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what you know and you can't move it from the head to the heart really until you teach it to somebody else. And I have advised my, my mentorship students in the past, like go out and find somebody that's you know one step behind you and teach them what you know.
0: Oh, interesting. So,
1: yeah, because, you know, since I've started teaching, which has now been hmm, four years with the mentoring program and for workshops for probably eight years now. Wow. um, I know, it's amazing. It's
0: good. Hardcore
1: for maybe only only six, but I had my toe in the water in 2012. Still, that's, I mean, six
0: years ago, even six years ago, I feel like the workshop scene was pretty new.
1: Really? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't heard much about it. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Oh you're, yeah. You're since I started teaching, I, yeah. yeah, since I started all that, I've painted less, I've made fewer paintings and I've probably logged more, I've probably logged fewer hours at the Eagle mm-hmm. than I did before. Mm-hmm. But I feel that my work has improved exponentially because part of it is because I'm practicing the fundamentals over and over and over again. I'm talking about value studies, planning composition, talking about what makes a good composition. Painting in black and white is one of my favorite things to do. I mean, I'll put a black and white painting in a frame and send it to the gallery and it's beautiful. Mostly what I do with it is use it to plan my color painting. So Mm -hmm. doing that kind of thing and, you know, talking about art all the time, critiquing other people's art all the time, it's like strategic practice.
2: Before right. I
1: started yeah. teaching. I had lots of studio time. I didn't think that much about what I was going to paint. I just was doing, doing, doing. And that was also valuable. But when I shifted over to a more intentional practice, it, I, it, things really changed for me.
0: Yeah, because so much of what you're doing when you're teaching is, you know, analyzing and, and, um you know, it's all, it's almost all mental, right? Where you're talking about it and explaining things and thinking about different concepts. And I agree. I've found that that keeps me really, that actually keeps me sharp when I'm even doing the physical, the physical work of painting is just all, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. time that I've spent looking at someone else's work, explaining, um, you know, how to, how to improve it or or what's why something's working, why something's not working, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah, it totally sure. it totally uh crosses over into into our into our own work. Um but yeah, I, I I um I paint way less right now than I used to. Way less. Um but you're right. It's like um I needed to do I needed to spend those years. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. It's, um, and there's the practical part of it, which I think can't, can't be ignored. You know, you've got to make that sort of steady income. Um, I, I don't think there's anything, there's nothing to be ashamed about in that. Um,
1: mm-hmm. one thing about critiquing, I think occurred to me a while back. Cause I do a lot of critiquing in my in-person workshops. And when I tell people, Oh, we're going to have a critique at the end of the day. Some of them just like blanch and go pale. And I, it, people have real fear and they've got real psychological scars from
2: mm.
1: bad art school or high school. I oh need some kind of critique, critique. I see it all the time. Yeah. And I say, you know, don't worry. Nobody's going to cry in my workshop. <laughs> and they love the critique. Hearing yeah. me talk about the other students painting while they are looking at everything together. Mm-hmm is pretty valuable for them. And I learned how to do that by studying in the illustration department at Micah. So I've never worked as a commercial illustrator one, one time in my entire life, <laughs> but yeah. the lessons i I loved, i mean, loved the illustration department. It was very mentally stimulating. I liked the problem solving aspect of it. And mm-hmm. it was one of the few departments in that traditional art school where painting and drawing stuff to look like stuff was still valued.
0: <laughs> yeah that's why i went into studio, the illustration yeah. department um mm-hmm. like yeah.
1: everybody else was just kind of screwing around doing performance art and right making stuff and yeah well, anyway um <laughs> but like studio classes looked like you bring in your work you put it up on the wall and then we sat there and talked about it for three hours and yeah. even in my non-illustration yeah. classes it was kind of standard practice for the professors to call on random students and say okay you talk about this other student's work
0: Oh, yeah. That was hard. I hated that.
1: They were crying. Mm -hmm. They (laughs) were crying in that scenario. Not by me.
0: What do you want? I didn't... Yeah, I always (laughs) felt like... um, I I hated that. I hated that when they wanted uh, students to talk about other students' work. Because it was like... I don't know. Part of me was always like, "Wait, that guy's gonna critique my work?
1: Come on!" <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I don't want to hear anything totally. from him. Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> we're paying you, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like that guy's work is terrible. I don't want to hear what he thinks about my painting. Um, yeah, yeah I always felt that was weird. Having to
1: come up, yeah, but having to come up with something to say yeah. about a piece. Where there's really nothing to
0: say, right? Yes, or or or, yeah, yeah. That was the The other thing. It was like, oh, (sighs) where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Goodness, how do I even begin to talk about this? Um, Yeah, that was. I didn't like that. I didn't like. I didn't like being put on the spot to talk about someone else's work, or 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 hearing from other students about mine but um so i i don't know i would n- i don't think i would ever have you asked uh students to, to comment on on your other students work
1: no yeah. uh but what i do is so my workshops are generally three days and mm. we do critique at least once a day usually at the end but sometimes i'll critique them in between like the value study and the painting part and so maybe that's like a lunchtime thing yeah but No, so they get a daily critique and pretty much only I talk. Yeah. And then the last day when we go to do the critique, I say to them, first, I ask them to speak about their own piece. Mm, That's good. Yeah. So they speak about it and then I speak about it, but they're just talking about their own.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's useful because then they get to talk about Mm -hmm. the things that they felt, you know, went well or what they struggled with and. That gives you that gives you a nice yeah. insight into kind of then what you can talk about with them or um, yeah it's a, it's a good way to kind of get an in I think to uh, to start talking about their work
1: mm-hmm. and I've been looking at I'm watching them do it all day you know yeah. so I have usually some things to say about like the way I observe the painting coming together throughout the day
2: mm-hmm.
1: my my workshops it's also not real high pressure because in my workshops, the focus isn't on creating this like glorious finished masterpiece that you can take straight to the framer Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's more about getting looser warming up what are some like tricks for getting started or just staying loose that that artists can take back to their own studios and reproduce so i yeah and, and i do a lot of that stuff also so like a lot of my i mentioned making a color study a small version of a larger painting and that's pretty freeing but even if i just like i haven't painted for a week and i need to get back in the groove i'll do a series of 20 minute paintings not worrying that much about the still life setup, just painting whatever's around and in my workshops they do a lot of exercises like that too so there's there's work to critique but it's not that's nobody's masterpiece sometimes right. they didn't spend more than 20 minutes on it yeah yeah and a lot of emphasis on spending time mixing color pre-mixing colors on the palette i'm big on that too and i'm big hmm. on that for myself for a large painting, for me, it would not be uncommon for me to spend maybe 90 minutes pre-mixing paint before I started applying it. Oh, wow. Do you
0: tube, <laughs> up? Do you <laughs> tube
1: up paints? No. Nah. Okay. But I do put it in the freezer. I will put my palette in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And I have heard that that may not be 100% chemically kosher. I'm not <laughs> saying that it is or isn't. I'm not a chemist. I don't know. I'm saying that, yeah. for me, storing my paint in the freezer works.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, I've heard of of, uh, a lot of people. Um, Douglas Flint, who I think is, I don't know if there's anyone who I would put above him sort of technically and and things like that. Um, Mm. I know that he does that, or he at least has at one time. So it's good enough for Doug. It's it's good enough for me. Right
1: on. (laughs) I even know an artist who will store her in-progress paintings in the freezer.
0: <laughs> I thought Isn't of that, that funny? That's interesting.
1: It's not. Keep, you know, I never did that.
0: Keep the keep the dust off of it, if nothing else. Right. <laughs> um. Let's <laughs> see, Sarah. Um. What else do I want to cover?
1: This is when we need audience participation.
0: I know. it's been (laughs) it's been really um, it's been a really fun conversation and maybe maybe it's time to uh, wrap up here but um, I just wanted to take a look at my notes and see if there's anything else that I wanted to uh, definitely cover I don't think so I I love um, I love when we can just talk um, oh, yeah. I just want to mention, like, I was so impressed with, like, I was looking at your website earlier today, and, um, man, it's just so well put together, so well organized, everything, you know, any anything that anyone, any question that anyone could have about, you know, your teaching or buying your work or whatever, just so clearly laid out there and presented. So I just wanted to um compliment you on that
1: thank you so much i can take almost no credit for that oh yeah so i'm yeah i mean i regularly update my website i do spend time on it i think it's important but that that's oh, man fine art studios online all right cool they are yeah. pretty they're pretty fantastic at first i thought well i'll sign up for squarespace and if yeah. i pay the yearly 150 bucks or whatever it is. I will figure it out. And guess what? I did not because I cannot handle that stuff. It's too complicated. It's too technical. I'm pretty good with technology, but not to that extent.
2: Mm.
1: And Baffo made it so easy for me. They have these templates. You don't get a lot of flexibility. And that's what people say with Square says, they, they have infinite flexibility. And I'm like, I don't want infinite flexibility. Yeah, I can't handle um, it. You know. know, just help me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have beautiful uh, yeah. templates. Thank you, and they they make me look good. I appreciate
0: that. Well, that's really good to hear because I have Squarespace, and I think I'm the same as you. I don't know. I'm not good enough at it to take advantage of the infinite possibilities. So, um.
1: All right. Well, guess what? I'm Maybe I should you, switch uh, over. <laughs> I'm going to send you a coupon code for FASO and you can check it out.
0: Sweet. Appreciate yeah, that.
1: and yeah, Sure. So, yeah, Danny, thank you for having me. I really, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. Oh, thank And you. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing with it. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the longer format, the kind of in-depth conversations that you have, I really have enjoyed it as both a, an automotive and a studio listen. So thank you.
0: Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much for for taking the time. It's been a really been a really fun conversation, and thanks for being so so open and um, you know.
1: Yeah, and if people want to check me out, I'm on Instagram at at Fedwick Studio F E D W I C K. And my website is sarahsedwick.com. So come see
0: what I'm up to. Yes, go. Please go check out her website. Like I said, all your questions will be answered. <laughs> anything you need to find <laughs> out, anything you want to take classes, workshops, buy her paintings, um, it's all there and it's laid out very clearly and beautifully. And uh, so, yeah, check that out. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll hopefully all see you at some point we'll definitely talk to you um, and all that
1: great
0: thanks so much bye all right bye all right thanks again to sarah sedwick for taking the time to chat i really enjoyed that conversation and do check out her website sarahsedwick.com and follow her on Instagram. She is at Sedwick Studio. And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, go ahead and give it a seven and a half star rating and leave a review if you feel so inclined. And if you'd like to send me a direct message, you can email me at dannygrantstudio at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.
3: Dance with me, my old friend, once before we go, let's pretend this song won't end, and we never have to go home, and we'll dance among the chandeliers. Nothing matters when we're dancing In tatter tatters you're entrancing Be we in Paris or in lands. Nothing matters when we're dancing Songs we don't even hear And nothing matters when we're dancing In tatter-tatters you're entrancing Be we in Paris or in Lansing Nothing matters when we're dancing Nothing matters when we're dancing In tatter tatters you're entrancing Be we in Paris or in Lansing Nothing matters when we're dancing Nothing matters when we're dancing